Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. Today's guest is Jesse Tyler Ferguson, who played Mitchell Pritchett on ABC's Modern Family, which earned him five consecutive nominations for the Primetime Emmy Awards. He's also a Tony Award winner for the 2022 Broadway revival of Take Me Out, which is on Broadway now. If you're in the New York area, go see it. I've only heard the best of things, and it was so fun to get to talk to him about the Broadway show, about his past acting work. I also got to ask him about that rumored Mitch and Cam Modern Family spinoff that didn't happen. It was exciting to talk about that. And then finally, at the tail end of the interview, I had remembered that there was this rumor within the Bravo sphere of one of our dear Real Housewives in New York potentially dating his Modern Family co-star, Eric Stone Street. So that came up at the tail end, so stick around for that. Anyway, uh, Jesse just welcomed his second child with Justin. We also talked about that. So I hope you all enjoy the chat with Jesse Tyler Ferguson as much as I do and did. Again, go see him in Take Me Out on Broadway if you can. Find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I want to thank Acast. And with all of that said, please enjoy my chat with Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Jesse, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just figuring out my computer situation. Congratulations. You have a new baby. I just saw that in the news. How's it now with two? You have two kids now. Two kids. Yeah. um, It's it's good. It's just that it it all happened at a very um, crazy time because I'm doing this play in New York right now. And I sort of had to go into this play knowing that I was going to have a baby a few weeks in and I was gonna have to go away and then I was gonna have to sort of go back and forth and do a lot of cross country flights to, to, you know, work and also be around the family. So it's been exhausting. And when Beckett was born, he was born during the pandemic. Um, so I had all the time in the world to be around him. And now it's the exact opposite where I'm really busy. And so I'm, it's like a a happy medium would be nice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And how much longer are you on Broadway? Uh, the show runs until February 5th. Okay. So then will you have a break after that? A little breather? I'm hoping. Yeah, I'm hoping so. I think I'd like to be in, I need to be back in LA with the family. I've been basically almost exclusively in New York this year. So um, yeah, it's, I need to get back to LA. And is to it, or are you thinking more or are we done? Oh, 100% we're done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was even debate of like, are we doing another one? And uh, we, we always talked about two. So we're like, let's just commit to that. Um, but yes, I mean, it's really exciting seeing the new baby and kind of going through that all again. But like, I'm also breathing a huge sigh of relief that like, as we go through each stage of, of the baby, I can like throw away or, you know, donate those things and get the clutter out of my house. And I'm sure make room for new clutter that will come with children. (laughs) You know, it's so amazing to me. I, I grew up sort of with very few examples. I'm a gay man myself. And it's kind of shocking and amazing to me 
and I wonder what your take is on it, but that there's so many public gay people having, uh, being parents now. I, I think of mm-hmm. you and, uh, Andy Cohen and Anderson Cooper. And I mean, when I was growing up, I remember watching the Rosie O'Donnell show was my favorite. And I remember she would talk about her adoption processes and, but it was rare. It wasn't something that yeah. was in the public eye and it's incredible. No, it's really exciting. I have tons of uh, very close friends like Neil Patrick Harris and Cheyenne Jackson. And, uh, you know, I'm friendly with Andy as well, who's doing it alone, by the way. He doesn't even, you know, he's he's a single dad. Um, you know, it, it's really, it's. It, I, I mean, they have been guiding me. I, I'm, I'm older than some of these people, but they had babies before me. So I'm looking to them for advice. And uh, I love the visibility of that. I think that, uh, you know, also I, I have... A, let's just say I have a lot of straight friends too, who have uh, used surrogacy. And um, I just, there's just so many ways to start a family now through adoption, through surrogacy. And uh, I love that, you know, people who are desiring to be parents have those options available to them. I mean, look, I, I, I made the, the mistake of going on to like, I don't know, like extra Instagram or, you know, entertainment tonight's Instagram and, you know, it's a very wide net that they that they have a lot of people, a lot of different types of people follow that those Instagrams. So I was like, <laughs> let me just see like what the response is about you know me and Justin having a baby. And honestly, most of them are very positive, maybe eighty percent of them. And then a shockingly large amount is like you know people are just disgusted that you know this is something that gay men are allowed to do, and it's just oh my God. so shocking to me because you know no one wants children more than people who have to go through this process. And no one, uh, you know, you, there's so many things you have to put into place and it's so expensive. You have to, it's not a vanity thing at all. You have to really want that kid. Uh, there are so many opportunities to say, you know what? I think I'm done. Let's not do this. And we really want it to be, we really want it to be dads. And I think, you know, Justin and I are good people and I think good people should be raising kids. And um, I'm just thrilled that I get to sort of watch these two tiny gentlemen grow and, and hopefully navigate them into being, you know, wonderful people. So, uh, it's Beckett. And what's the other, what's the other name Beckett and Sullivan. Sullivan. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Uh, my boyfriend and I were the goal or the plan is next year to sort of start the process of, of children. And so I wonder, do you have any advice for people at the beginning of that journey? I mean, it's maybe a broad question. it's, you know, it's interesting because, you know, if you're, if you're a straight couple and you are just like, gonna let's, let's, let's start trying, you just, you just try and like, you see what happens and maybe you get pregnant, maybe you don't, maybe you have to go through in vitro, maybe you have to take some hormones, but like, you know, it's basically a lot of the times it's, it's pretty easy and it just sort of happens with surrogacy. I, I can't, I can only speak towards surrogacy because I, I haven't, I haven't adopted, but like, uh, or foster cared a, a child, but um, with surrogacy specifically, there are so many steps along the way and so many decisions to make. And I think it's really easy to um, fall into the trap of overthinking each one of these moments. You know, there's the, the moment of like just choosing the egg donor, and like it's basically a, you know you're given all these different uh, egg donor options, and you you see like they're uh, you know you, you see a photo of what they look like, but then also you know. DNA and, and family history and uh, interests and, you know, where they went to college. And like, you just, you're presented with so much information and you start to overthink. And at the end of the day, I feel like you just have to go with your gut, look at like five viable options and, you know, 
move on to the next step because you will get stuck in this holding pattern of like all these decisions you have to make. So I, my advice is to just try and power through and not overthink things. Oh, I'm already pre-stressed about the whole situation. <laughs> uh, I understand. It's overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, when you started out your career, who did you look towards as sort of your inspiration of kind of what you wanted to do? Because, you know, I feel lucky that I've been able to uh, grow up and see so many of people like yourself, like people you mentioned, Neil Patrick Harris, and seeing a career path forward. But I wonder what it was like for you. Who did you look towards? Um. That's a great question. And uh, I didn't really have a specific person uh, that I looked at. There wasn't a lot of visibility. There wasn't a lot of out actors when I was, you know, a teenager or even younger. And, um, you know, for me, it was like, I, I kind of, I mean, I'm a theater kid and like, I looked toward people in the theater and I like, uh, you know, I was a great admirer of, of you know, Nathan Lane and the, um, the most brilliant Nathan Lane. Oh my God. Insane. I mean, the fact that I got to work with him as much as I did is just, and I hope to do more, but it's just such a gift. Um, but I didn't have any, like anyone on television that I really looked toward. I mean, Will and Grace had sort of started, but you know, at the time, Sean was not, um, you know, he was staying private and he wasn't, he wasn't out publicly, which is fine. And, um, but you know, also those characters, I was like, they're really fun and I love, I want to hang out with them, but like, I didn't see them as aspirational, like people that like, they weren't starting a family, which is something I wanted to do. They, they, um, you know, were rarely in long-term relationships. And so for me, I, you know, I didn't really have that. And so that's why when modern family came around, I was just so excited that I could be that for, you know, a a new generation of, of kids. But yeah, when you're talking about like, you know, people who I uh, looked up to as far as like career paths, I just like, <laughs> I mean, my, my, my answers are like Bernadette Peters, which, you know, that's, like, that I'm answer. very, very dislike. I mean, I'm not like her at all. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I, not to say I, I'm not like her. I didn't mean to say I dislike. I'm, I'm yeah. not like her at all. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I love that. I don't know. <laughs> Wait, Jesse, you mentioned Will and Grace. And of course, all the episodes of Will and Grace were directed by this genius that I'm so impressed with, Jimmy Burroughs. Uh, mm-hmm. And he recently wrote a book and I saw him in some interviews. And I don't remember if it was in the book or in an interview, but he talked about this project you did with him called The Class. Yeah. And he said sort yeah. of, I think he had inferred that was the one that got away because it lasted one season. And mm-hmm. he seemed to say that it was something that should have lasted forever. So I, I just wanted to ask you about like, do you have an experience with that project that you remember? It was you and I believe Jason Ritter and John Barenthal and Lizzie forgive me Kaplan. Right. Lizzie Kaplan. Uh, yeah. Uh, a really amazing cast, actually. A lot of New York actors, uh, Julie Halston and Heather Goldenhirsch. 2006 um, ish, I think it was. Yeah, I think so. It's, uh, I was doing Spelling Beyond Broadway at the time, and the, the writers, David Crane and Jeffrey Cleric, uh, David wrote on Friends and Jeffrey Cleric, his partner. Uh, and I, I mean that in both sense of the ways. They're, they're together. Oh. They're together and they write together. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jeffrey Cleric wrote on, um, Mad About You. And so they had this project, the class, and, uh, they saw me in Spelling Bee and they cast me as one of the, the characters. And it was my first time on television. And, uh, I got to meet Jimmy Burroughs, who is, you know, for those who are listening who don't know who he is, I mean, he's directed everything from Will and Grace, like you just mentioned, but Cheers and MASH and Frasier and, uh, he's, he's just been around forever. He's a, an icon. 
And uh, he was my sort of mentor, like learning how to act in front of a camera, at least uh, on a multi-camera show. It's one of those sitcoms, you know, filmed in front of a live studio audience. And uh, it was a really great show and it was a very desirable script. A lot of actors really wanted to be seen for it. And um, there was a lot of, uh, I think, expectations around it. They sort of were, you know, looking at it to be like the next Friends. Uh, Friends was had just left... I think had just been had just wrapped up or that we're just wrapping up. I think he basically went from friends right into the class. And, um, you know, it just never really came together. It was a very ambitious project and um, it's, it's out on DVD. You know, you can, you could watch the, the one season that exists and adjust and I, my husband actually watched it during quarantine and he, he loved it. He was like, this is a great show. And it's like, I know, but you know, halfway through they tried to like restructure it and it just, it just didn't come together. And, um, yeah, J- Jimmy Burroughs, I know, speaks very fondly of the this, this show. And, you know, he has a really good instincts about what is going to work and what's not going to work. And he really felt that that was going to be a huge hit. And it wasn't. And I think it shook him a little bit. So, um, yeah, I, I, I heard that he talks about it in the book. And I also heard a podcast that he did recently. And he talks about the class there as well. Um, but, you know, it, it opened up the door for me to do other things. But I... I did think when that when that didn't work, I was like, oh, well, I'm certainly not going to be asked to do another television show. I'm just going to have to go back to New York and do theater. And, you know, that's not what happened. But yeah, I was just going to ask, what is, what is the mindfuck of that? Because you finished that show that I would imagine anyone going into that show, you do have these high expectations because it's David Crane, Jimmy Burroughs, and mm-hmm. you got Modern Family. Was it like a, a year or two or was there much of a dip in between? Well, well, what happened right after that was the writer's strike. Um, and so everyone in LA was, you know, not working and I had decided to stay in LA and just sort of, because I had moved so much of my stuff out there to, to do that, the class, I thought, well, let me just stay out here and give LA a little bit of a shot and just see what happens. And then the writer strike happened. So I, you know, I kind of went back and forth between New York and LA a little bit, but, um, kept most of my things in, in LA. And when, um, the writer strike finally lifted, I think everyone was just really looking for content and I got a show um, called do not disturb written by Abraham Higginbotham, who happens to be one of the writers on modern family. Uh, But it was not successful at all. It was, uh, it was a big bomb and it was sort of like, you know, the upstairs downstairs of a hotel. And I were, I was, um, I worked in the downstairs office, (laughs) all the pretty people worked upstairs. Uh, And uh, who was upstairs? Was there someone that I would know? Uh, Jerry O'Connell and Nisi oh, Nash and and this girl Molly Stanton who's great um, uh, uh, David Davy Franco James Franco's little brother it was actually a pretty fantastic cast um, and downstairs with me, with me was Jolene Purdy who was uh, in the White Lotus first season of White Lotus uh, anyway so uh, it, it was cancelled after I think three or four episodes it was the first show cancelled of the season and the next season is when I did Modern Family, which won the Emmy. So I went from like wow. the the worst show, technically the worst show on television, got canceled first to the show that was deemed the best on television, which was quite a you know whiplash moment for me. Um, but after Do Not Disturb was you know canceled, I thought, okay, well that's it. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to New York and just do theater. And the Modern Family script came, and that's that's you know the rest of this history. So was the modern family years, was that all sort of a blur because you guys ran for so long and it was always so hugely successful. 
does it feel like a blur looking back on that time? Um, if no, I think I remember a lot of it really, really well. I mean, I, you know, I think we, everyone, all the cast members probably have different answers, specifically the kids who, you know, were so young when it started, but you know, I, I remember very vividly how it felt to be, you know, the cool kids at the party and, you know, everyone loved us and everyone wanted to like meet us. And I was meeting insane people like Steven Spielberg who was a fan of the show. And like, I remember walking by Victoria and David Beckham at a party and they gasped. I was like, you're gasping what? at me. And weren't they, What's on, going it? On? Were they on it? I think they, they David ended up being on yeah. it in the yeah. latter season. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it, it was, it was a, yeah, a very, long chunk of my life i mean no actor uh, very few actors have the opportunity to sit in a job as long as we got to sit in modern family you know i mean the life of an actor is is rife with like you know constantly coming up against unemployment and i mean i remember when especially when i was doing theater i had that unemployment number saved in my phone because i was calling it every you know few weeks to like get my checks and you know with modern family to have a steady job for 11 years was just insane it's just not it doesn't happen so um it's it it feels like a neat little piece of my career that i get to like look back on and it's obviously been documented if you know i get to watch those episodes every once in a while and um i'm still so close with the entire cast um so it sort of feels like it's bleeding into the rest of my career too i mean it's it's a i will say when you it, it's a blur in the sense that i can't believe it all happened and it's already done Mm-hmm. You know, there's a point where I felt like, oh, the, all this will be my life forever. And, um, you know, the fact that it's this thing that ended, you know, it's bittersweet. I mean, you know, it's something I miss terribly, but also so happy that I had it and I get to move on to new things. And it'll be something that lives forever. I'm always amazed. Um, it'll just be out there forever. And I think people yeah. will continue to discover it for years and years to come. Absolutely. We have to take a quick break here. We'll be back with much more from Jesse Tyler Ferguson. As always, I want to remind you that you go to everythingiconic.store for Everything Iconic merch. We just got brand new stuff in, as well as signed copies of my book. Also, you can go to youtube.com slash Danny Pellegrino and the number one to watch this interview. I try to put all the videos of the interviews as much as I can up on the YouTube channel. So go like, comment, all that stuff over there. And uh, we'll be right back. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And we all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Sometimes the small stressors are the worst for me because I cannot stop thinking about them when I'm trying to sleep or when I'm trying to go about my day. I keep those little things bottled up and it can start to affect me negatively. Now, therapy is a safe space to get those things off of my chest and figure out how to work through all that stuff. And if you've never benefited from therapy, I think it's time you explore. I think anyone can be helped by going to a professional therapist. It's so incredibly helpful to get those coping skills skills and uh, deal with those stressors. So uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out this quick, brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which I think is so important. Uh, so that way you find someone that you work well with. Now, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Everything Iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Everything Iconic. 
Ah, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Uh, we use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic shopify s-h-o-p-i-f-y dot com slash everything iconic i mean i'm sure you get asked this all the time and it's so gross that i'm gonna ask it but do you think there'll ever be like a reunion movie or reunion (laughs) episodes or stuff like that i i mean i hope so i think that'd be really fun yeah I, i don't see why not i there's been so so many that have come up recently. I think like I, it's sort of in the zeitgeist that like it, it, everything gets rebooted, and you know I don't know I don't know what more we have to tell. Um, I think there would need to be a really good reason other than just like people want to see us together again. Yeah, I mean I like the Friends version too of like what they did with the HBO Max thing where they got together and just like, right reminisced because we just want to see you yeah. all together. It's even when you guys are together on Instagram or something, it's so fun yeah. to see you guys hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. I miss them all a lot. Yeah. We were all together at a wedding. Um, uh, Steve Levitan, who's one of the creators of modern family got, got uh, married and uh, a huge group of us were together. It was Ed O'Neill, who I hadn't seen in over two years and Sophia and Eric and Ty Burrell and Sarah Highland and, it was it was a large group of us, and Justin, my husband, was like, "You need to get a photo with everyone before Ed, because Ed's like no until like, he's like gonna you know peace out and do a, an Irish accent, and you'll never see him, see him again." So I was like, "Ed, before you do that, like let's get a picture together." So we all gathered on the the dance floor. The dinner was about to begin, and um, we're all together, and they're, they're taking pictures, and like the you know the, the wedding photographers also taking photos of us, and people start applauding, and I'm like, "Oh, this is really sweet. They're so excited that we're all back together." <laughs> And then I realized Steve and his new wife have just walked into the venue and they're, they're applauding for them. But even Ed O'Neill was like, I thought it was for us too. <laughs> I would have been applauding for you guys. I would have egomaniacs. been Egomaniacs. We're all egomaniacs. Yes. <laughs> I, I love it. Um, okay. Last sort of question related, but in terms of the Mitch and Cam spinoff that never went, um, first of all, like why the fuck didn't they pick it up? And um, what, can you tell me anything like about the script or like what it was to be about? Um, let me see how much I could say without like pissing anyone off. Uh, first of all, I don't know why they didn't pick it up. Uh, I, I know the reasons that I was told, but you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not in those rooms making those decisions and I respect the people who, who do. Um, I think it was, there was a question of like, is this the, the story we need to keep telling right now? Um, you know, uh, if we're the right gay characters, I you know, maybe I think in a little ways that mentioned camp felt a little dusty. And, you know, maybe time to move on. I don't know. I mean, that's sort of, that's sort of what I'm just sort of projecting. Um, 
the script was very, very, very funny. So I know it wasn't because, you know, the material wasn't, wasn't good. I think it was more of a question of like, we, we've been with these guys for 11 years. Do we need to, it's just the, the right couple to have on TV right now. Um, and, you know, I think it, we were also in a moment where like, you know, we're, we're looking at diversity and like looking at like what other voices can we put out there to, to, um, you know, tell these stories. And, and I mean, case in point, one of my favorite shows of not just this year, but like kind of in a long time. And I know that they use North Star as a, or Modern Family as a North Star because I spoke to her about it, but is uh, Abbott Elementary. So good. Abbott Elementary is so great. And I got to meet um, the, the creator. Um, I, I always, is it Quinta? Quinta, Quinta yeah. Quinta, yeah. Uh, she was super lovely. And um, I talked to her for a long time and she was like, look, we, we, uh, we, we really look up to Modern Family and you have the door open for us to, to be the show that we are. And, that means so much to me. So that, that's a great example of like, okay, yeah, like step aside and let new voices be heard and new stories be heard. And um, as far as like the, what the script was, it kind of followed Mitch and Cam as uh, in their new life. And um, where did we move to again? I don't, I don't know. At the end of the, I don't remember. Was it a farm <laughs> town? Should, a farm town should, or something? It was yeah. basically it's Cam's Cam's farm town. But I cannot for the life of me remember where it was. I'm um, someone who's listening to this right now is screaming the name of the town. Yeah, and we're not hearing at my show. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was really, really great. And, uh, you know, it's sort of, you know, Mitch is, of course, a fish out of water there. And did anyone else know, appear uh, in the pilot like any other other characters? Uh, just Lily. Okay. okay. Yeah. I think there was opportunity for people to come visit, obviously. But yeah. Uh, okay. Jesse, talk to me about Take Me Out on Broadway. It's you. It's mm-hmm. the gorgeous Jesse Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can you tell people about it? You're in it till February. I haven't seen it. I live in LA, but as soon as I get to New York, I'm going to come see it because I've only heard the most amazing, incredible things about it. It's a pretty fantastic play. Uh, it's a it's a revival of a play uh, that was first produced in New York in 2002. I saw it when, when it was first done and I fell in love with it. And I fell in love with the character that Dennis O'Hare played, which happens to be the role that I am playing now. Dennis O'Hare went on to win a Tony Award for it. And I'm lucky enough that I followed in his footsteps and won a Tony Award for my version of it as well. And also the play back then won a a Tony Award for Best Play and it won with our production a Tony Award for Best Revival. So that speaks to like just the strength of the material. It's a great cast. It's about a a star baseball player like of like the Derek Jeter type status who comes out of the closet and that's played by Jesse Williams. And I play his business manager who is um, also gay, uh, doesn't know anything about the game of baseball, falls in love with the sport um, through his, you know, new relationship with this superstar baseball player. Um, It's a play about homophobia and toxic masculinity. It's also wildly funny. It is one of the funniest plays I've ever seen or read. Um, I I am lucky enough to deliver a lot of that comedy. Um, Richard Greenberg, the writer, has written incredible monologues for my character that are just roller coasters there there are arias i mean like when i saw Dennis O'Hare do it i was like that is it's like watching shakespeare i mean he it, they're just beautiful beautiful pieces of writing you know comparing baseball to democracy and it's just like it's it's quite a remarkable piece of, of writing and um the fact that we get to do it eight times a week on broadway till february 5th is really quite a gift and also um you know if anyone cares um it does take place in the locker room 
of a, a, a baseball care, team. And, uh, we care. And so uh, a lot of, and this is very necessary for the play. I mean, it's not gratuitous at all, but uh, there's a ton of the play that takes place in the showers. And these guys a lot of dick. shower on stage. There's a lot of nudity, a lot of dick. Um, Wait, did that so, bug you, know, you? Did that bug you guys the whole? Because there were these like little leaks that happened online, mm-hmm. and yeah, that must have been frustrating. Because yeah, the I mean, I would imagine even taking out the nudity element of the show, you don't want people coming in and taking videos of something that's happening on stage because it's meant to be an right. intimate thing for the audience, right? Well, and with our show specifically, you know, it's we're using um, those yonder pouches where you have to lock your phone and. Um, so we were doing as much as we could to protect the actors who are putting themselves in an incredibly vulnerable position by being nude on stage. Um, and so, uh, someone snuck in something and took some illegal videos and, uh, it was disappointing because the, the videos leaked on the day of our Tony nominations and, you know, some of these actors who were, who had received Tony nominations for their work were then, you know, having to deal with these illegal videos of them being naked on the same day that they were meant to be celebrating their, their work as an actor. Um, So that was, that was frustrating. And, um, you know, I think with, with theater, I mean, I mean, I'm sort of, I'm old school. I've been doing this for a long time. I'm celebrating my 25th year as an actor on stage, but I do feel like audiences have changed a little bit. And I feel like they're, I, I long for the days where there was a little bit more respect between the audience and, the actors and that certainly doesn't go for every audience most audiences are really lovely but there's a responsibility that comes when when you go to see a show like take me out where these these actors are one thing one of the things that they have to do is is arrive and be vulnerable and then tell the story and i think there's also responsibility for the audience to respect that and to um take it seriously and uh you know obviously that person didn't and that was disappointing but the majority of our audiences have been incredibly respectful and wonderful. And, you know, I, I, I assume that when those scenes came up in the show, like before we were in front of the audience, it's like, Oh, what's the reaction going to be? Are they going to be like Mm. people whistling or cheering or like, you know, you know, there's some very handsome men that are naked on stage. Yeah. You know, they're going to be treating it like a Chippendales concert or whatever. <laughs> oh my gosh, sounds so old right now. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but you know, they, they weren't. And it was, they really leaned in and listened to this. They probably did. Lean I in, but they also listened too, to, yeah, <laughs> they also listened to the story. And like, it's, it's, you know, what's being told on, uh, on stage that, that those moments is also incredibly important. So yeah, it's, uh, it's very cool. I, I am not naked on stage, so I don't have to uh, deal with that. But, um, you know, I really respect the guys who are. Well, I respect them too, and God bless them. Um, but I have only heard the greatest things. What's your favorite Broadway show? Do you have a favorite of all time? Of all time? Uh, probably As an Sweeney audience. Todd. Yeah. Okay. Sweeney Todd, I think. Yeah. And in terms of acting, I'm curious who the best person you've ever acted with is. Like, who oh, were you gosh. in a scene with where you're like, man, they are just incredible stage, screen, wherever? Man, I mean, I've worked with, I've been really lucky that I've got to work with some incredible, incredible actors. I mean, Nathan Lane is up there for me, truly. Um, Ed O'Neill uh, is remarkable. Um, I worked with Sam Waterston on a production of The Tempest, and that was Al Pacino. I got to do Al Pacino, uh, work oh. with Al Pacino uh, in The Merchant of Venice and, and Shakespeare in the Park. I mean, I've gotten to work with some big, big, fancy, famous people. and. Um, they're famous for a very, very good reason because they're incredibly talented. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I I got to work a little bit opposite Audrey McDonald on on the good uh, the good fight. And, incredible, uh, you know, incredible. She's someone I I adore and admire, and Mandy Patinkin. Um, yeah, I've been very lucky. What's on your bucket list next? I mean, obviously you're so prolific and incredible, but is there anything that you haven't done that you really want to tackle? I, I mean, I, I always let the the work. I'm going to sound really pretentious for a split second, but yes. I always let the work guide like what I do. But if I had to pick like a genre or something, I really am anxious to do some sort of, you know, I love these limited series. Like I love the white Lotus. I love these like sort of capsule. Well, you should check in that season of the white Lotus. Let's get you on. That's exa- I mean, I would love to be the white Lotus. Um, also, you know, it's severance. Like I, you know, I've, I, a show that's so different from modern family is something I would like, I would like to dip into. Um, and I just, I love that, you know, when I started modern family, streaming platforms weren't, didn't really exist. I mean, we had cable and we had, network television but like netflix didn't exist and hulu and all these great platforms that are producing such amazing content that I, I mean i i came out of modern family like like um like i was coming out of a bunker like i was like what's this new world that i am living in there's all these amazing you know new places to create and uh so i i would love to kind of you know do something that is not going to take 11 years of my life but also be really high quality work yeah uh, i'd love to see that I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories so much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Uh, Jesse, this was such a pleasure to get to talk to you. I want to encourage everyone to check you out on Broadway's Take Me Out. The last two questions that I ask all of my guests are your favorite Mariah Carey song. And if you were choosing for People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive, who would you choose? And you can't choose your significant other. It's got to be someone else. <laughs> my favorite Mariah Carey song. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I love her, I love her Christmas album. Is that cheesy? I mean, it is. But all I'll take all it. I want for Christmas is you. And uh, my favorite... Uh, sexiest man alive 
I, I mean, I got to look at Jesse Williams every night and I'm like, how have you not been on that cover? Yeah. He's stunning you know? looking like just perfect. He kind of is. He's, he's, and also the thing that really pisses me off is he's such a nice guy. He's so yeah, fucking kind. And I'm like, that, that can't, you can't be that too. Yeah. He's just a really, and he's become a very, very, very good friend of mine. And I just, I, I like him a lot. So I would, I would guess I would, I would put Jesse up there. Wait, I, I know this just popped in my head and forgive me, but I, we talk a lot about housewives on this show. And was there a moment where Bethany was dating Eric Stone Street? Am I making that <laughs> yeah, up? It's so funny because before I got on this, I was like, oh, I hope he doesn't want to just talk about housewives because I know nothing about the house. I've never watched an episode. But I did do an episode of Watch What Happens Live. And the guest with me was Bethany Frankel. And she couldn't have been lovelier. I adore her. I think she's great. And you're right. She was dating Eric Stone Street for a little bit. They were sort of, you know, hanging out. And she came by set a few times and like, she sent us, you know, skinny girl margaritas. And then there's now they're just friends. I mean, nothing happened. It was just like, oh, yeah, we're moving on to something else. It didn't really work out. But yes, you're right. And it's so funny because I thought, I was like, I wonder if he knows that. And if he does, I'm going to film mention it. And here it is. <laughs> I'm so glad I brought it up because I feel like Bravo fans, we've always wondered, was that really a thing? I think they were photographed together or something. Yeah. No, I think I they were, maybe they, they confirmed maybe. it. Okay. They, I don't know, but like it didn't, it didn't last long and nothing happened, but it was just, you know. Yeah, I think they they absolutely were dating for a little while. Heard it here first. Jesse, what a pleasure to get to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking the time. I've been such a huge fan forever. And so I just thank you for taking the time. Everyone's going to go see Take Me Out on Broadway. Jesse, thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. 